One of the most important parts of naming your new business is finding a website name that works. Today's episode is brought to you by .ca. Join thousands of Canadian entrepreneurs who have chosen .ca as the trusted online home for their business. Visit cira.ca forward slash startup today. And by DigitalOcean, simplifying web infrastructure by building a product that developers love. Visit DigitalOcean.com to find out more about why developers start and scale their startups on DigitalOcean. Use promo code StartupCA for a $10 credit to get started. Disruption, investment, work-life balance delving deep on the topics that matter most for entrepreneurs. He's Rivers Corbett on the Startup Canada Podcast Network. Welcome to Startup Canada Podcast, the show serving Canada's entrepreneurship community. I'm your host, Rivers Corbett. The Startup Canada Podcast is a production of Startup Canada, a grassroots entrepreneur-led movement to bring together, celebrate, and give a voice to Canada's entrepreneurship community. On the podcast, we speak with the movers and shakers of Canada's entrepreneurship community and explore themes in entrepreneurship, startups, investment, innovation, and what I think is the most important thing, impact. The podcast is brought to you by Intuit QuickBooks, your partner in starting and growing a financially fit and fundable business. You can check them out at startupcan.ca backslash finance to sign up for a startup finance bootcamp near you, and to get 50% off QuickBooks online for your business. An awesome deal. So as part of our master's series today in the spotlight, we have a well-celebrated entrepreneur, investor, philanthropist, and mentor, Jerry Pond. He's a veteran of Canada's ICT sector, having started many successful ventures in Atlantic Canada. And I have been fortunate enough to be a spectator of many of his professional and personal contributions to the region. A real class guy. He's also the co-founder of the Pond Desponde Center at the University of New Brunswick and the co-founder and chairman of the incubator called East Valley Ventures. In 2014, he was awarded with the Startup Canada Lifetime Achievement Award. Jerry, it's great to have you on the show and uh, to be interviewing you again. The last time we chatted, you had been nominated from Atlantic Canada's uh, representative for the Lifetime Achievement Award. And um, at that time, we had talked about what's next, because if it's the Lifetime Achievement Award, well, what's next? So what have you been up to for the past year? Well, that's, uh, that's a good question. It sound, you sound like my boss. Asking me a question oh, like fantastic. that. Fantastic! Yeah, what are you uh, doing, Jerry? Yeah, yeah right. Where, you been <laughs> where up? the heck have you been? Um, in some ways, <laughs> the same thing. Uh, you know, uh, trying to advance the cause of a number of companies that I I've invested in with my colleagues, yes. and also improving the uh, ecosystem here yes. in Atlanta, Canada. I um, I do reach into um, you know the rest of Canada, but most of my activity is in in Atlanta, Canada. So I've been doing more of the same. I was fortunate enough to be uh, awarded a, a BDC Entrepreneur uh, Leadership Award. Fantastic. For Canada. So I guess I'm still um, considered to be in my lifetime. Yeah, or the next lifetime, which is still 
2015, I guess. So congratulations. That's just awesome stuff and a real testament to 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 what you're doing. And I know that, uh, you know, uh, poverty reduction, social entrepreneurship and education are key parts of, of your personal mandate and I know professional kind of ties into that also. Do you think that entrepreneurship can reduce poverty and fix other social issues in Canada? Well, by all means, uh, and entrepreneurship, of course, is an approach to solving problems. And so whenever you uh, have any kind of problem, including those related to um, uh, income, uh, lack of income and poverty, whatever you want to call it, uh, uh, yes, it can, because it's, it's, a, it's a problem-solving model. And it uses resources uh, wisely and sparingly. And uh, these are all characteristics characteristics of entrepreneurship and we need entrepreneurs and the entrepreneurship model focused on the world's issues, including poverty. No doubt about it. So poverty, if there was one key area that entrepreneurship could be bridged to assist poverty, what would you, what would you say is the, the one that, uh, that we should focus on say in the next 365 days or more? Well, well, most people, or running a business, usually around a hobby. So we yes. would refer to this as micro-entrepreneurship. And we find the first thing that uh, is important that people achieve some level of, uh, of uh, self-employment, if you will. And yes. do that from their basement, as expression goes, or a small storefront, perhaps in a small group. We usually find that women are better at that than men because uh, their uh, their approach to, to the startup world is a, a bit more... Uh, around uh, you know doing skill sets that they already have and mm. employing those skill sets in the neighborhood that they live in. Yeah, that's very interesting. I'm uh, I've been hearing um, reading a lot of statistics lately that women actually uh, the, the, the the potential for success in entrepreneurship is uh, is significantly higher from a female perspective than a than a male perspective. And anything you can tie around that is it because of their personalities, their attention to detail. What's the characteristic that you you're seeing? Well, unfortunately, what happens in many of our um, uh, high-risk neighborhoods would, would be uh, that women are, in fact, uh, looking after the family unit, the, the children. Right. And um, uh, that's a characteristic of low-income neighborhoods. And mm-hmm. uh, so, therefore, the the woman is the one that is striving to make ends meet and right. has pressure on them uh, to, to do something about that and to get, uh, shall we say, off of the social assistance model and in back in uh, with some type of of uh, pride and and uh, self worth. So the um, um, getting that journey be started. Uh, how do you how do the initiatives that you're involved with knock on the door and then get welcomed in the door to begin to take uh, people that are in the poverty state, male, female, to to say, yeah, okay, I'll I'll, I'll give that a try. Well, there, fortunately, there are organizations that operate similar to the ecosystem that is around the, the more glamorous, if you will, for-profit uh, enterprises. So there's an ecosystem. Uh, one of the principal components of that is something called the Community Loan Fund, mm-hmm. which, which is um, which is self-sustainable and runs off of uh, local uh, investments that people make. And yes. they also run training programs similar to an accelerator um, that we would see in, in the for-profit area. 
the scale is more neighborhood based. Uh, obviously, the amounts of money that people are talking about are smaller, but they, they do get training and mm-hmm. uh, they have peer to peer support groups as well and mentors. And, very, very pay, similar. Yeah. and they got to pay back the loans or the seed they, funding? Uh, they will, in some cases, uh, in most cases, they pay back the loans for sure. Yep. You may get a small grant, as we would, uh, in you know, again, in from a government organization. Right. Um, and they may get some breaks in other ways, assistance in kind. But, yeah, it's a very similar model, um, just obviously uh, geared to a, a smaller growth pack. Very cool. Well, the uh, just that leads us very nicely into the next question. You've you've founded and funded countless successful organizations over your career, and like any good entrepreneur, I'm sure you've had your struggles and challenges along the way, and continue <laughs> to have those. And I had a conversation a little, a little earlier today with Mr. Frank O'Day, and we were talking about the the, the 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 swamps along the way. And I and I know that it's they're just not over overnight success stories. That's for sure. Um, for you, what distinguishes the good startup ideas from the bad ones? Mm-hmm. We're talking uh, before you essentially invest, uh, Rivers, just to make sure I understand. Yeah, so let's yeah. let's take let's take your micro approach mm-hmm. right now and, okay. and continue on with that theme, if we could. When mm-hmm. you you see yeah. one that or okay. two that say that, that that that's got some opportunity for growth. Okay, so we're still in the uh, in the low income. Uh, yep. Area. And then, okay. And then we'll move yep. to the then we'll move to the more okay. uh, aggressive, uh, you know, planet okay. hatch type of models. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, uh, it, it's not much different, really. It's uh, it, you know, the ideas tend to be, um, you know, people aren't trying to change the world in, in these models. So they're they're trying to introduce uh, a discipline around providing a service, usually, or a product that they might build, like jewelry. So um, what is important, as it is in, in any uh, entrepreneurial endeavor, is, is the individual determined to follow through? Can they turn enough of these items out to, uh, to make a, a living, shall we say? Right. So, so it's their determination, as it is in all entrepreneurial endeavors. Will they stick with it? Um, and their product will probably be uh, improving over time as well. But mainly, can they stick with it until they get the revenue stream flowing? So one of the criteria that you would say as an indicator of success is past failures and uh, and the uh, and the and the resolve to continue on and and uh, try again or uh, yep. or uh, just say you know this is this is I'm, I'm okay and just drive right through. Sure. Again, wanting to distinguish this uh, particular sector we're talking yep, that's right. about. Yep. Most of these folks are are first timers. As a rule, they don't have failures. They have a different kind of failure, uh, but not a business failure. Okay. Well, let's kind of move to that higher, uh, that higher volume stuff that's uh, happening for, for guys like um, Kumar on a smart skin. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, let's, uh, let's talk about both those level of ideas. Cause that's a way out there idea when it came to, uh, to fruition and, mm-hmm. and still continues to have great success ideas that are at that level. Um, what's uh, what kind of distinguishes good ideas from them to, from bad ideas? Well, I think that's when you get into, uh, I mean, most of these business are selling to business, business to business, in other words. Mm-hmm. The ones that we have here at Atlantic Canada, of a consumer, a business to consumer is seems to be increasing. But on the enterprise uh, side, it is obviously uh, customer va- validation. And validation is, 
usually supported with a sale, right? So right. I think I, this, this helps me and improves productivity and I'm going to buy it and I'll pay you market rates for it. Right. So we're beyond pilots. You got to get beyond pilots, get beyond trials and into uh, essentially testimonial sales. And from there, it's, it's about the, how to sell internationally in our case, because there's very little domestic market for most of these products that are being uh, developed here in, in Atlanta County. And so um, it's the continuation of that, those sales. And international sales is a very tough environment. Mm-hmm. After you do have the validation, after you do have your early adopter customers, and you do uh, have a number of brands that you know are, are world-scale brands, you have to continue uh, doing that until you're you know, a $100 million company. Mm-hmm. And, and that's... That is uh, that is the tough part is the scaling, uh, you know, essentially beyond say a couple of million. Yeah, and so you're, a be- you're a believer the first million's easy. It's the next twenty that's the tough part. Yeah, uh, essentially yes, uh, mm. Rivers. Um, mm. That's our experience so far. Very interesting. The um, um, uh, the 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 people who you have come in touch with, and I know you touch many of them. Uh, a lot of them learn from failure. And what what dialogue do you offer those entrepreneurs coming off a, a failed idea or a venture or or a deal? Well, it's a bit uh, the same advice you'd give somebody who was in a car accident. You know, after you're well, get back in the car and drive again. Yeah. So it's it's essentially the same thing. Uh, you you um, you can't become timid and afraid because you fail, and then you go into well, what did you learn? And but it's it's getting on with it, getting over it. Uh, there's a period of decompression we refer to it as. I don't know if that's psychologically correct or not, but right. that's what we call it. Right. And uh, you want to make that as short as possible by getting back in the game, and um, you know. Uh, putting things behind you as the expression goes. So it, it, it's about uh, not dwelling on the failure. So uh, you talk about that car analogy about getting up and getting going. I mean, I live in Atlanta, Canada. I know the culture here. You've been around a little bit longer than I have. Why <laughs> is it that, uh, not a lot, by the way, why mm. is it, Jerry, that, that, that our society and our region just has a hard time saying good for you. You failed and you tried again. It's always like a one and out game with the culture in uh, New Brunswick and Mm -hmm. uh, in the Maritimes. And why is it that we're like that as a culture? And I think ultimately prevents people from getting back on that horse again or in the wreck car or sorry, in the new car again. I have. I really don't know, honestly, because if if I did, I, I'd be out fixing it. Yeah. Uh, the um, I guess a theory might be that um, we're um, we're in a what you might call a put down a society. Some people would call mm-hmm. it uh, worse than that. They would they would refer to things like a backward society, mm. a yesterday society. Mm-hmm. Uh, you go to losers uh, or something like that. So um, the psychology here is uh, is a negative psychology. The region is a have-not region. We have trouble getting to the mid, let alone to the top of any statistics on economic development, mm-hmm. on education, on health, whatever. You name it. So like we're the bottom quartile guys. And right. when you're in that environment, you lose your confidence. 
Right. And so failure represents another whack on the head. Yeah. Uh, on top of what you're getting, not because you failed, but the whole region has failed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, this, it's right now in the talk in Atlantic Canada, I say that word, uh, you know, with, with considering Newfoundland and Labrador as part of, part of the part of the group here. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a talk of failure. It's a mm-hmm. region of failure. And it's getting pretty nasty right now, quite frankly, uh, with, mm-hmm. uh, with the way things are not rebounding after the last recession and we may be heading into another. Hopefully, right. The handles are bad. Yeah. And I think that puts people in a bad spot and uh, they're not able to cope with failure when they have one like in their business. Yeah. So everything gets down on them. Yeah, it, I don't know it, why though. Really, it, it it's it really is amazing. I know when I talk to high school kids and I talk about you know failure as a part of the journey of entrepreneurs, I say, how many of you here have never have, have got a perfect mark on everything through your life of uh, of being a, a student? And of course, none of them raise their hands. And I say, well, did it ever stop you from going from grade one to two to <laughs> three to four to twelve? And yeah. it's it's so interesting. We we live failure every day, but but we just don't talk about it as much. So anyway, maybe that's all part of the, the solution is to, uh, is to, to, to talking about the, the, the failure part is, is just part of that journey. And maybe we can, uh, we can, we can get on with it that way. Um, I had a question for you uh, about you getting back about the, uh, this distinguishes the good startup ideas from the bad ones. You, you talked about that customer uh, and, and that validation point of getting mm. the customer in place. Um, Jerry, in your experiences, is there a time period? Uh, and I appreciate, you know, there's there's various sales cycles for for businesses, sorry, for mm-hmm. products and services. But is there a time that you say, you know what, it's just time that you moved on because you can't, this, this isn't working. And I'm saying this right across the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there, is, you know, three years, two and a half years, whatever that is? Well, the... Uh I, I do think that they have to allow time for the so-called famous pet pivot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know who invented that word for this, but I've, I've, we've been doing it in a number of our companies. And so um, probably the outside time is three years. If you've, say, tried a couple of pivots, you're not getting traction, um, time to move on. Mm-hmm. I, we had one company recently that was less than a year old, and they were not getting the level of customer traction. They tried different ways of doing it and then said, rather than spend all of our shareholders' money, we're, we're going to shut down and go do something else, which yeah. is what they did. Yeah, Very cool. Yeah. Well, yeah. I love it. That, and that was a, less than a year. I have two or three companies that are in the third pivot. I'm maybe This is like baseball, I guess. Three pivots <laughs> and you're out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a measurement. Well, I kind of like that. <laughs> on, on one particular company, anyway. Get, get yeah, on no. to the next pivot after yeah. that. Mm-hmm. So you talk a lot about big ideas, my friend, and, uh, you know, uh, turning in from a, a failure to success focus. It's, it's really a great uh, an easy time to start a business. And, you know, many people are turning to entrepreneurship as a career option, whether it's right out of high school, retirement, um, you know, early retirements or whatever. Um, what are, what are some of the big ideas that are out there now? And um, what might be a, a unique selling point within those ideas? And let's kind of get into that imaginary world of Jerry. And I know that there's some in there because I've heard them come out of you. <laughs> well, look, I the uh, the one that has uh, seems to get a lot of the headlines 
is an area that's uh, rather you know nebulous. It's called big, you know, and you know, big data. Mm-hmm. Some people will tie it to the Internet of Things. I, I notice a lot of divisions of large companies are are being um, named the division of sorry a division around the Internet of Things. Mm-hmm. So if you boil it down, and we have a number of companies in those spaces, uh, this is about collecting large volumes of data and using it to manage whatever you're doing better, faster, etc. Mm-hmm. And, and it works, and it's, it's very pervasive. So it could be um, taking a, uh, using SmartSkin's example as, as a company that is in the Internet of Things and big data analytics. So you take an assembly line, a bottling, a bottling line, fast bottling line of a beer company or a soft drink company, and and the most of the equipment has been made over the last, you know, perfected over the last, uh, say, fifty years. Um, right. It's running faster, you know, more elegantly. Different shaped bottles are running through it, and uh, the skews are there. Everything's running quickly, but it's still not to perfection. And um, after fifty years of German engineering, because a lot of this stuff is made in Germany, right? Uh, a lot of it uh, still doesn't, um, perf- you know, it's not perfect. And uh, the way you get it to be almost perfect is you introduce some more analytics in into that system. And uh, in this case, it's pressure. So mm-hmm. uh, sensors have always been part of every assembly line and, and also cameras. But pressure is a unique measurement. And um, it, it's it, derived from nanotechnology. And it allows the, um, the operator of the line to determine a problem that is potential before it actually happens. So that, that little piece of information comes from a lot of measurements. And um, right. even though these lines have been perfected, and in particular for speed, because speed is money in the bottling business, mm-hmm. uh, there's still areas of improvement. So let's kind of let's kind of uh, let's kind of head into um, uh, a positive focused on the startup world and it's how it takes a community to raise a startup. You know, there's a lot of great great stuff happening in Atlanta, Canada, and I know that uh, that um, uh, for example, Fredericton has got a focus to be the startup capital of Canada. <laughs> uh, you know, we've got some real. You take that ecosystem that you say you're investing time and money into. It's really uh, it's really energetic. It's focused. It's connected with passionate, very smart, intelligent people. Can you just kind of focus in and give us a, a couple, of just two highlights of awesome stuff that's happening here in Atlanta, Canada? That's really nurturing that startup community. Well, we uh, one of the things that I have attempted to do with with a lot of other people is to um, create a regional capability uh, that provides us with a. High standard of acceleration, so that's Propel. It's mm-hmm. ICT, of course, but there's generally other technology companies in there. So mm-hmm. now we're uh, in all the uh, communities of Atlanta, Canada, of at least the larger ones. Maybe mm-hmm. eventually get into all of them, but uh, but uh, and it's operating Atlanta, Canada wide, in different cities at different times, different levels. And um, I think we've hit our stride. We've got more improvements to make, obviously, but. Um, the mentors are getting connected across the borders of, of Atlanta, Canada, and the companies, more importantly, are getting connected, and mm. they're feeding off of one another. 
Very cool. So that's that's pretty exciting. Yeah. Because a lot of people would say, you know, and I'm not knocking other models, is that you can't have a virtual accelerator. Well, we can't afford to have an accelerator in every city of scale. Uh, mm -hmm. So we've got to do something uh, to, uh, you know, scale up without having to move all move to Halifax. Right, right. Right. It's a, it's an interesting model that you've uh, taken into is that you've broken down the borders in this case. And I, you know, I've, I've always, uh, I've always had this great desire to see the Atlantic Canada be one, one region, one government, if we could call it that with all the efficiencies that we can afford. And of course that's not going to happen anytime soon because of the political structure. Mm -hmm. But, but the, uh, the fact is, is that you, when we, sorry, when we started up, start up Canada, one of the things was we wanted to allow, Allow the government to come along for our ride, but they weren't necessarily going to be the leaders of the ride. It's good to hear that. It's uh, it's 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 again they're recognizing that that's where the tide is going and and are, are willing to be uh, you know in the in the boat, but not necessarily uh, navigating the boat. So that that's that's cool yep. information to hear and and really reinforces again. I guess my next question kind of ties into angel investing in uh, in um, uh, Atlantic Canada is is investing that's leapt from sixty four percent between. Between 2013 and 2014, uh, obviously the ecosystem is driving something to cause angels to be interested. So, is there anything else we haven't talked about yet that's really driving that investment climate? Well, I think one of the things that drives more angels is that there is more money being made um, in the by investing in these companies, like these uh, exits that we've had, QN Labs, Radiant Six, Go to Instant, mm -hmm. have created you know millionaires. And while people might want to buy a big boat or maybe even a, a plane or something, but I think what's happening is we're seeing more money being being created through through the startup process. People lament that, oh, well, QN Labs got sold to IBM and that's the end of QN Labs. Well, the reality is it isn't the end of QN Labs. QN Labs is still hiring people in Fredericton mm -hmm. as IBM, of course. Radiant Six, the same thing is happening. But uh, what is uh, apparent now is that there's probably a hundred million dollars uh, in people's hands that know that startups are the way to make money. Well, you know, it's I, th I think uh, what I what I like about it, and I know that I have reaped reaped some benefit from the uh, the Q one sale myself and in investing in businesses that I'm involved with. So I'm a I'm a true testament to to that type of thing. And uh, and I know the other thing is it's a darn good place to live from a quality of life perspective. So to to have that money stay here makes perfect sense for me because mm -hmm. the people are here and the opportunities are here. So I have one more question for you, my friend. Um, if you were uh, uh, going to write to yourself uh, 30 years ago uh, with one or two nuggets of advice, which 30 year less Jerry is going to go on his journey, what are those pieces of advice you'd give to uh, 30 year younger Jerry? The, um, uh, I guess the letter to myself uh, 30 years ago. It would be in this area of, you know, for lack of a better word, determination. Mm -hmm. And um, I thought my father was a pretty determined guy. And he kept pointing out to me that, you know, all the things that you work hard for are the things that um, are the most rewarding. And I wasn't sure I fully understood all that. But uh, we have um, we've had quite a few failures. We've learned to deal with those. 
So that would be the other piece of, of uh, learn how to do, work hard, be able to handle your failures because you're going to have a pile of them. Yeah, you're going to have a pile of them. And it's, it's interesting you say the word logical as part of your answer. I have uh, I've totally agree in the hard work ethic, but I like to combine that with being smart while mm. you're being that hard work. Uh, it's no fun being a busy idiot. Yeah. So, uh, so, <laughs> so, so that's so true. Well, Jerry, um, we've, uh, we've done a good job getting through this interview, and I can't thank you enough for your, your time, sir. It's been a, a pleasure as always, uh, whether it's doing this or face-to-face, and keep doing your magic in Atlantic Canada. And so thank you very much. Pleasure. My pleasure. Nice to, nice to talk to you again. Thank you, sir. Well, that was Jerry Pond, entrepreneur, investor, philanthropist, and mentor here in Canada's East Coast. Jerry is the 2014 recipient of the the Startup Canada Lifetime Achievement Award. And speaking of which, he's also an adjudicator of this year's award. So you can submit your nominations today at startupaward.ca. You're listening to Startup Canada podcast, the show serving Canada's entrepreneurship community. Startup Canada is your doorway into Canada's entrepreneurship community. Be sure to check out startupcan.ca for the latest community news and upcoming events, like the popular startup chats on Twitter every Wednesday and Friday, 12 to 1 Eastern Time. And if you want to hang out with me, what I'm doing, I love helping entrepreneurs. You can find out stuff at riverscorbett.ca. Feel free to drop me a line, ask me a question or whatever. Till next time, I'm Rivers Corbett, and here's to your success.